Our guest tonight is a virtuoso. He's a multi-instrumentalist. Moreover, he is co-titular of the renowned Casavant Pipe Organ at Tres Saint-Nom de Jésus Church in Montreal, which has 6,219 pipes. Guys, like always, we got another great show for you lined up. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Good evening, everyone. A happy Thanksgiving Day to all Canadians from all over. Thank you very much for tuning in to Rob's Inner Circle here on the Bobby's Short Shorts YouTube channel. We have, like I said, a great guest for you tonight. So, guys, you don't want to miss this. Guys, uh, we're well into the October uh, COVID party month. And uh, this month, we're hosting uh, people who have made the most out of the COVID month. So these people, uh, we have a Riot Cat coming on. Hi, thank you very much for tuning in. Riot Cat is from Japan, he's our newest fan, guys. Yes, okay, sorry. As I was saying, our COVID month, uh, we have uh, people who have gone uh, uh, you know, out of the way, uh, doing things out of the box, making things really interesting. So you guys are gonna be benefiting from a great month of October uh okay uh, a big shout out a big shout out to my good friend and producer of rob's inner circle miss jenny duhame jenny thank you very much for making this show as great as it is you're a sensation um thank you it's just getting more and more interesting so jenny hang in there we're gonna make it good stuff a big thank you to all of the daily struggles fans who have been supporting us um Guys, the love just keeps growing. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, we ask you not only for daily struggles, but also for our Bobby Short Shorts YouTube channel. You guys want to come on and like, comment, share, subscribe, and you also want to hit that notification button, guys. So let's make the family grow, right? Okay? So we're counting on you. And we're there for you too as well. Guys, we have some great news. We just found out. That our great friend that we had on the show last week, Miss Patricia Chica, okay, her short film, the project, her short film, Tribes, that was featured in the LA Short Films Fest, just won the funniest short film of the year in the Just for Laps Worldwide competition. Bravo, Patricia Chica was so proud of you. Congratulations. Good stuff. You deserve it. We're so happy for you. Good show, Patricia. Also, our good friend, uh, Aurora Liang, who also was on Rob's Inner Circle a while back, okay? She's from Le Trésor de Chine, and she'll be presenting a masterclass that is available to everyone who wants to learn more about Jinju, which happens to be Chinese opera. So you can check out Le Trésor de Chine, that event, on the Facebook page, so you guys can uh, get all the information over there. Okay, next month, we are going to participate in the in November series. So this is the time to get involved and sign up for the RIC 2020 Mo Team. Okay, guys, our producer, Zemi Duhame, through the month of November, is going to be walking 60 kilometers. Okay, and... That's absolutely sensational. And my part, what I'm going to do, I'm going to grow a stash, right? Yeah, so I'm going to grow. That's, that's my part. That's what I'm going to be doing for the show. So, guys, let's, let's submit to commit. And we want us to tell you, we want you to tell us how you guys are going to be getting involved. Okay, so you want you to leave that in the comments, right? Good stuff. Okay, uh, going along here, uh, uh, to spice up our monthly event, and encourage your friends to donate, okay? Uh, we're presenting some short films on Bobby's Short Shorts, right? So you guys can submit your films. We're going to be presenting them. And, uh, of course, they're going to be screened and all that. If they make it, we will be showing your films. And you can submit your films to robs.inner.circleol 
at gmail.com, okay? And our starting target is $1,000 for this great cause, which is to bring awareness to men's health and suicide prevention. So this cause affects us all, and we are looking forward to having you join our team. All right, guys? Guys, hey, it's that moment once again. That's right. We're already there, guys. It's that moment to relax, fall back, get your glass of wine, slip into your pajamas, right? You want to sit back on the chair, relax. That's right. And you want to enjoy yourselves. We're in for a great show, guys. Salute. Guys, we're ready to bring in our guest. Are you guys ready? I know I'm ready. Guys, it's showtime. That's right. Let's get it on, guys. Backstage is our good friend and guest. He's a, our uh, homegrown hero from Kitchener, Ontario. He's a Filipino background with some German and Britain heritage, British heritage, I wanted to say. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome Mr. Alexander Richard Strauss Fausto. Hey, buddy. Hi. Welcome to our show. Thanks for being on. Cheers. Hey, let me get that glass. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Hey, to you. Cheers to you, your health, and your success. And you too. It's a hey, pleasure. Th hey, uh, happy Thanksgiving Day, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving. It's a great honor. You and your family. So, um, Alex, um, you're a multi-instrumentalist, but you're mainly concentrating on the pipe organ. Tell us all about it. Well, the pipe organ is the only professional instrument that I um, that I would say that I focus on in my career. Um, um, besides, um, I mean, playing for church and playing uh, solo concerts, I would say that um, um, I I I practice a lot as well. And I started the organ uh, when I was eight years old, uh, walking into a movie palace in North Tonawanda, New York, and uh, I was just, I was just uh, astonished by the sound that it gave. And I was starting out with piano, but I was so bored of, of the piano because it's just one keyboard, one sound, everybody else does it. I want to do something different in my life. So I, I remember I didn't want to be a pianist, but I really wanted to be a musician. And when I tried out this organ, it was called a theater organ. It had sound effects and all kinds of cool things that you could do. <laughs> it was just uh just something that i knew that i that i wanted to do but i wasn't able to take lessons until my feet were long enough for me to reach the, the pedal board so when i was eight i would just uh just play for fun in my feet and 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 play by ear because i couldn't read music that well and i i began organ lessons when i was 13 with mr joe career who uh produces um a lot of videos uh for me because uh, his organ is the Basilica of Our Lady Immaculate in Guelph, where he plays. Um, and I've been I've been very fortunate to have him uh, uh, help me during this pandemic by by giving me a lot of practice time to use a pipe organ. Um, I really really love to play the organ at that church, um, and it's been making a lot of videos for me. Which, if anyone uh, is wondering, they can look up Basilica of Our Lady Guelph Alexander Strauss Fausto. Alexander, I want to blow the audience away because, guys, you wouldn't think this, right? A church pipe organist who loves, who's got influence from such people as Frank Zappa, David Bowie, Eddie Van Halen, and a couple of more. Uh, Alex, tell us about your influences and how these guys have shaped you as an organ player. Well, so... Going back to my years as a youngster when I would just blast rock music in my ears and and it just like rock music before my days uh, when when everything was about the music and not just the rhythm like most of it is now, I would just blast it through my headphones and it would release so much dopamine through my body. I loved it so much. And like I was I was classically trained, uh, I'm going to say, like I'm at McGill University. I went to Interlock and Arts Academy in the States. So I'm I'm classically trained. But I, I still have a great deal to learn um, from listening to uh, artists that, that were classically trained, but, but they, they play very, um, very unorthodox, I would say, because Frank Zappa, who I would say is, is a great hero of mine, he was classically trained, 
but I like I adore Frank Zappa's music, especially the best because I mean, I mean the most. It's 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 very innovative and and like once he's learned his classical stuff, he can kind of break the rules and go a little unorthodox and free. And I just I love his lyrics, but more than that, I love I love his harmonies that he uses and everything like Peaches and Regalia, Watermelon and Easter Hay, the whole Joe's Garage album. It's like he is a total genius who just totally thinks outside the box. And and he was just ahead of his time for the time. And David Bowie too, like, well, he's not as as crazy in that in that way as Frank Zappa, but I absolutely love um his his music and like the crazy solos and in, in uh space oddity and and stuff and life on mars it's just his music is just way ahead of its time so uh <clears throat> there's one thing i i'm very curious about and uh i'm sure the audience as well because um um i don't play the organ or the drums because they have a certain similarity in the sense that you have to have your two hands and two feet completely detached practically from your brain because these guys are on their own you got like one hand playing here, another hand playing there. And then you got your right and left foot going uh, all over those pedals. How hard is it and how long does it take for a guy to actually master all that stuff going on at the same time there? Well, um, for me, like it didn't, it took about a year for me to learn the pedals. Um, uh, after having a previous piano background, like uh, during the years I got serious about piano, um, I developed a uh, technique and be able to play piano repertoire. I've had piano lessons since I was four, but I didn't take it seriously until a little later in my life. Uh, but I believe to be a, to be good at playing the organ, you must be good at piano and have a piano background. So, I mean, now at this level, if, if you were to make it to the top and to play the hardest repertoire, I would say the hardest piano pieces are way harder and they can hurt more in the hand because there's a lot more going on. And the hardest organ pieces, like the hardest organ pieces, if you take Bach off the list and you just look at French organ music, it's a lot easier than the piano stuff, I'd say. But even though you're using both feet, like you're not so concerned about um, a million notes happening at, at once because you're in more control on the organ. I mean, the keyboards are smaller and it's not like on the piano where you have to hit the keys harder to get a louder sound or be worried about making a soft sound on the piano like on the organ it's like every touch is a touch so it doesn't matter if you hit the key hard hit the key lightly i think it's easier but a lot of people would think it's harder but to be a musician i would say it's harder because you can't sustain notes and play them louder or softer to let out your emotions like beethoven uh because he had a pretty bad temper um would would bang on his piano keys hard um um to express his emotions and, and let the aggression out like i know that mozart did that too and his parents forced him to take piano lessons exactly and exactly can't do it on the organ it just it won't do anything if you want to make it louder do something else but i think the piano uh is is expressing more emotions if, if you want to let out your aggression like that or be soft and and be fluttery and calm <laughs> okay so uh you got an influence in rock music and all that. Uh, obviously, have you ever considered, or maybe you are part of a rock band that you didn't tell us about, but have I, you ever considered playing in a rock band? I've never played in a rock band. I've considered it. I've never had the time because I was always so busy with school and getting my four hours of music done every day and, and practice. And I never was able to take place in a rock band. I never met the right people, but... Later in my life, who knows? Maybe I will. I mean, uh, uh, of course, I would be very happy playing backup piano in a band once if I get old and I can't play the organ classically anymore because there's no audience and churches all die, concert halls close, etc. Um, other than that, um, uh, I, I would definitely play organ in a rock band like Blue Rodeo. It's a Canadian band. It's, it's, it's the organ in it is just amazing in some of their in some of their songs. And I remember you were telling me in the pre-interview how you had a bit of your sad moments because all your friends were outside playing sports, playing hockey, maybe basketball, whatever, and uh, you were practicing the piano while they were enjoying themselves doing that and all that. That's um, 
of course, that, that must have been very difficult for you. It was, yeah. Well, so when I was four uh, and I displayed, I, I was playing music by ear because I couldn't read um, music at all. Like uh, I was just playing like Jingle Bells or Star Wars on, on a little keyboard that I bought, that they bought me for Christmas. And then they like, we need to get in piano lessons. So I wasn't ready at that point in my life to dedicate my time to the piano because I knew that I wouldn't make it because there'd be kids that would do it, but that's all they do. And they would do spend way more time on it than me. I wasn't serious about it. I was just playing um, the piano because I was forced to practice when I had music lessons. And I just remember like when I had music lessons that were like a half hour once a week, I would just look out of the window and I would be so upset because I'd see my friends playing and hockey, soccer, basketball, etc. And I just, I didn't want to be playing piano. I wanted to be out there having fun. <laughs> but oh well i mean it paid off it got me to where i am now okay so tell me um at first you learned the piano and nobody wanted to teach you the organ because you were telling me that you were too short and you had to put some blocks on your feet to reach That's right when my, parents, when my parents bought me an organ in 2008 when i was eight and i was getting more serious about the organ it had been four years since i started piano so like i was not like serious then but i knew i wanted to do organ at that point um i couldn't reach the pedals to play a real pipe organ uh so like i would just knock on churches and theaters doors to ask if i can uh play a little bit on the organ some of them were like no way because like it's too valuable to let a little kid play some of them were like yeah and when i did i couldn't reach the pedals so sometimes i would just I would glue wooden pegs to my shoes to make it easier wow. to reach the pedals like at home when I first started. And like that was the only way to get there. No organ teachers wanted to teach me because because of that. And I don't know. To be honest, I don't know anyone who started organ at eight even now. OK, well, you know what? Um, there is a difference between the piano and the organ you were telling me. But the, the sound, I mean, there's such a distinct difference in sound between the organ and the piano. And why? What do you say, or what, what is it exactly that gives these two instruments that distinct sound that you know makes them distinct? Um, the piano, as I can demonstrate now, now um, is an instrument that's basically like a harp set down with uh, little hammers hitting on the strings, and there's a little. There's only. Um, one pedal that's that's really important called the, the sustain pedal and that sustains notes down so if you play a note and you have that pedal down then it resonates um if you do it and you don't let a pedal down then oh. you just, they they release quickly so oh, the nice. piano like it can sustain notes organ it can't um like you have to hold your fingers together and you know, a lot of people have played it, but some people have given up and decided to do piano instead. Like Glenn Gould is is, is one of those, and and um, maybe Felix Mendelssohn, but we don't know. And my rock influence, I would say, I'm more influenced by rock to listen to than anything else, because most of the time I'm usually listening to like David Bowie, or sometimes I was really inspired by Eddie Van Halen and um, the Beatles and everyone that was good at what they did, Gordon Lightfoot even and um i i like i like some poetry that you might find in some modern music even too and but but frank zappa like um i really am i'm just extremely inspired by his sort of unorthodox character and some of the crazy things that he did like not only his guitar solos but when he conducted his band and in some of his albums and and they would go improvise and play pieces of stravinsky like some expert uh excerpts of of the Rite of Spring um, by Igor Stravinsky, who is a French composer. It's like, wow, Frank Zappa really has uh, some respect to pay some tributes to the greats in classical music. Like, it was amazing. Like in his album, Absolutely Free, like you can hear some classical influences of his band, like improvising and playing excerpts of like modern classical music. It's just, it's just amazing. And Frank would be up there um and and he would have like a really high standard on his band as you know they had to be really good and they would improvise every now and then and he would be directing them sometimes he would conduct even sometimes he'd play the guitar but he would just be extremely showy and he was so good at what he did it was amazing 
Um, okay. Uh, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Of course, your concentration is a pipe organ. You've touched other instruments. You play accordion. You play uh, the piano, the harpsichord, drums, some guitar, some flute, you said? I've played pretty much everything in my life. I've played okay. the flute, the clarinet, the trumpet, uh, everything, the guitar, everything. So uh, the flute, that your influence would be coming from uh, the uh, flutist in uh, Jethro Tull. That's right. I am a huge fan of, of Ian Anderson. Well, well, maybe not really huge, but but he's just amazing. Like his, his classical influence and his technique and his just overall showmanship that he does is just completely inspiring. He's another figure like Frank Zappa or David Bowie, who I'd say the big thing is that they're good at what they're doing and they do it really well and they know how to show it off and, and just be the icing on the top of the cake for their band. It's just, it's just so amazing to watch. Michael Jackson too, like his act was just extremely inspiring like all all of those all of that energy that was released with 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 his little shows and it's halloween's coming up so so like thriller's already coming into my head and everything beat it <laughs> now's the time for him so uh, the big question uh accordion piano organ um similar they're all keyboards are the notes the same uh, on yeah. each instrument yeah, well, I would say every note is the same. Like um, everything, um, like in in a regular key scale, it's just it's just all all pretty much the same. Like every every keyboard instrument, uh, C D E F G A B. So it starts on this C, right? That's the yeah, first same keyboard. Okay. Um, <laughs> That because in English we we call them out as letters as A B C whatever, but in French or in actually uh, European Europe it's uh, uh, Do Re Mi Fa Sol La Si Do. Do Re Mi Fa Sol La Si. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do would be the C, right? The, do is the C. Yeah. So when I had, yeah. So when I had this French church gig, it's like. Everything was all uh, C, Do, Re, Mi, etc. Like it took a while to get used to it because I didn't learn that way. That, but that's that's the way uh, in Quebec and in and in Europe that things are dealt with. Okay, so uh, for for the immortal, for, well, actually for the, all the mortals, actually we're not immortal. Um, you walk into a church and you see this uh, pipe organ and you see all those pipes. Okay, so you're wondering, people, you would never guess. How many pipes there are on a church organ? Alex, what's the most pipes you've seen on a church organ? You guys are gonna flip when you hear this. Big question. Okay, so I've I've been everywhere pretty much. I've I've seen the largest organ in the world, the second largest organ in the world, the third largest organ, etc. And the largest church organ in the world was on a on a cruise ship I was able to come to in Passau, Germany, which is a a city it has 17 over 17,000 pipes but the largest organ that i've played is the uh -huh. second largest organ in the whole world and the largest fully functioning pipe organ in the world and it's at Macy's department store in Philadelphia and um it's the largest so it's the largest fully functioning organ in the world the largest organ in the world is at Atlantic City Ballroom in New, in Atlantic City New Jersey and Maybe I'll get down there someday to, to do a concert, but I've been I've been privileged to to play and be featured in one of their noon hour concerts uh, that happened during the store hours that was broadcast on uh, the Wanamaker Organ Radio. So um, twenty oh, over twenty two thousand pipes or so, oh like seven manuals, and it's in a Macy's department store in Philadelphia. Okay, that, well, that's amazing. But how does that organ there compare to the one at the Mormon Tabernacle organ at the Temple Square with 11,623 pipes? How does that compare? Well, it's over twice the size, I guess. But, I mean, how does it compare would be, oh, it's bigger. It has more keyboards. It has a bigger console. And they're both historically important. And they're both... The, the, the organs that I would prefer to play because I, I like symphonic organs, prefer them the best, the most. Um, 
But um, the Mormon Tabernacle organ might might be known more for its reeds. So uh, having muted organ stops that are a little bit uh, louder, and the Wanamaker organ might be uh, the one that's, that I mentioned in a, in a department store might be known for its strings. So like violins, cellos, but the pipe sound of that. <laughs> but really, in a nutshell, it's just ones in a church, ones in a ones in a department store. And they're both in America, but I, I otherwise, and they're both symphonic organs and uh, it's hard question, hard, very hard question to answer how they compare. An organ is an organ. It doesn't remember, it doesn't matter how, if they have pipes or not, how many pipes they have. Like I still have great respect as concert or as concert, um, concert instruments for non-pipe organs because for a hall that doesn't have the room for a pipe organ or doesn't have the money, they just they would do the job. And they some that some of them sound good, like Rogers organs, Walker Walker Technical Co. They make great organs that have no pipes at all. It's just speaker. And pipe organs, like they're great. Uh, they take up a lot of room. They require maintenance. They cost a lot of money. They cost a lot of money in tuning. Once a month, they have to be looked at. They're great. They're great too. And like, of course, it's it's very important to have a pipe organ, but. Everything is an organ. Even a Hammond organ is an organ, and it has no pipes. Well, speaker, but everything is an is an is an organ. Because where would we be without them in the world today? We need them. <laughs> uh, are you a Deep Purple fan? Mm, not not too much. Just a little bit. <laughs> because the organ uh, that they have, well, they had back in the day over there, that had such a distinct sound. Yeah, that's because it's a Hammond organ. Like what I mentioned earlier with Blue okay. Rodeo, they used a Hammond organ. So a Hammond organ was used in bands, gospel music, rock bands, jazz groups, like usually like 1940s to 80s or so. And like one of the main players of the Hammond organ is Jimmy Smith. I love his playing. He's very improvisational, uh, but he was a gospel organ player. The other one was Jesse Crawford. And, and they're great. Like they have the greatest techniques i'd say of, of in the hammond organ world and like in blue rodeo it sounds great and and like pink floyd um it's just uh one can in the dark side of the moon album and in, in the wall like this you can't live without them where would we be without it it has no pipes i'm not a pipe organ purist like it doesn't matter to me it's just an organ is an organ okay and uh Rick Wright was the keyboardist for Pink Floyd. Is that right? Uh, probably, Rick Wright? I don't. I don't remember. I haven't done my homework on Pink Floyd. Okay. And probably. A, well, I guess I did. I'm pretty so, sure it's Rick Wright. Anyway, the main rock organist that I take influence. Of, I'm not a rock organist. I'm a classical organist and performer. But the main rock organist that comes to mind when you think of like Pink Floyd and keyboards and and that is Ray Manzarek. Um, so Ray, Ray Manzarek uh, was the keyboardist for The Doors, um, a band called The Doors um, um, that you might have that you might be familiar with. And he's just he's an amazing like organ keyboard virtuoso. He I don't know I don't think he's classically trained, but he's like the greatest keyboardist. Like uh, he really um, makes Riders on the Storm light my fire and people are strange really come to life it's like turns the band really into a new level so tell me uh you spent some time in the usa is there any reason why uh, you yeah. did that i wanted to expand my my um my limits and um kind of uh make some connections and go to school where i can focus on music because i remember when i was here in ontario um I would have organ lessons weekly and I thought that from where I was till then I didn't really have an extremely extremely great background in music in the sense that I'm from a non-musical family and church-wise I haven't had a great deal of experience um here like I my my hometown didn't really accept uh any new um applicants for church uh, organ positions that weren't really, that weren't really like qualified in the sense that I, I didn't have a degree and, uh, um, I needed to have, um, a background in musical theory, uh, piano and organ. 
um, at a very high level because for one lesson a week in Oregon, I thought yeah, it's one hour a week is not a lot to like focus on being a concert organist and get into a really fancy school. That's, that's uh, maybe in the U S maybe in Canada. Like I wanted to be in the U S to have my career because the advice of my previous organ teacher, Peter Nicky Forick was to be able to have a career as a concert organist. One must move to the States and like they're very up to date on the way they play up there uh i knew that interlocking was a great fit for me because i needed a school that focused on music like 24 7 all the time because that's all i wanted to do and and you receive your academics and your education there and like learn your instruments other than organ i learned jazz i learned a lot of stuff and and piano and it's just i just i learned so much that it was it was almost equivalent to like earning a degree like i i completely relearned the instrument it was enough to get into a whole bunch of schools um to study university uh study organ in university in in the states but i decided to come to mcgill uh because and make an exception for leaving the states because i wanted to return back to my home country um um because uh hans ola erickson i was told he's an extraordinary organ teacher and um, I am, I was told that me and him would work great together because he's, he's very innovative in music and he sees things from a very modern approach and he knows all of the, the rules for organ playing and, and knows what you can do with them and how to express your creative talents. And I was worried that he would go back to Sweden, um, before I graduate. So I'm like, I need to hop on this train before it leaves. So I decided I'm applying to McGill. And I, and I, that's where I wanted to go because I wanted to have Hans Ola Eriksson and he's, he's been a great professor. I still have him now. He's returning to Sweden this Christmas, but if I would have waited any longer, he would have been gone by then. So I, I knew that I wanted to get my first degree done with him before he leaves <laughs> North America. Alex, uh, you are telling me off air that your whole family loves music and loves to sing. Your grandmother had a piano in her house which you would always play at Christmas time, but somehow that got you into some kind of trouble. <laughs> yeah. So when I started out with music and my fingers were pretty weak at, at like age three and I couldn't really play uh, the keys on the piano. I remember we would have Christmas parties at my grandmother's house. She owned a piano and um, all the time I would end up playing the, the, the piano at all these parties and just playing by ear, trying to play show tunes, jazz and jingle bells and just regular, regular hits that people sing and like Charlie Brown stuff when I was like six and seven and so on. And all the time I'd be playing it and playing it and playing it when people were trying to talk and, and um, people were like, uh, when will this kid get off the piano? <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I mean, I just, I was just, totally mesmerized by playing the keyboard, uh, playing the piano before I actually got to, got to play one at home at that point in my life. Like it was just a great experience. And um, the trouble is my parents forced me to have piano lessons when they knew that I had potential to be a musician and play by ear and stuff. And they, they forced me. I really didn't want to do it because I didn't want to do anything more than schoolwork because I wanted to have fun play and go outside and, and play with friends. But when you have piano lessons, like you gotta practice or piano teacher will show up angry to the, tomorrow and, and be mean and leave and and <laughs> and yell at you. And it's like, no, well, not quite to that extent, but I just, I I didn't want any extra work other, other than school. So it's like, why do I have to take piano lessons? Nope, I had to take it, but it paid off, got me to where I was. and. It got me to organ lessons starting at age 13. And I got serious when I was 16. So it's at age eight that you picked up the accordion and you started playing the accordion, which is in a way, like you were telling me, it's actually a keyboard that you're taking and it's like you're turning it sideways. Yeah. But then again, you know, it's still something that's holding from your neck and you got these black buttons on this side over here. We know that you got some kind of a little keyboard over here. But on the other side, what are those black buttons for? What are these? What do they serve? Bass and accompaniment. Like 
like it provides like the bass. It's funny because in the organ, the bass is on the feet. The accompaniment is on your left hand. So it's like you're a little orchestra. Uh, now on, on the theater organ, which is an instrument found in theaters where you would play like Ella Fitzgerald and jazz, you wouldn't be playing church stuff. There would be the accompaniment in the left hand, the bass on the feet, then the accordion, it would be the bass and accompaniment, both on those black buttons on your left hand and the piano on your right hand. And it's, it's kind of the same principle. And in an organ, it might be, in classical organ, it might be your pedals might have the melody, might have the accompaniment, might have the bass. We don't know. Your left hand could have accompaniment like for hymns and your right hand might have the solo melody. We don't know. But for the drums that I play, like I, I play the tabla, which is an Indian set of drums. Like I don't have a background in that, but I do it to work on rhythm and to kind of relax and as a way of learning another instrument that to complement what I do, because when you play the organ, you got to have rhythm sort of running in your heart. So when I, I just, I play the drums for fun. Like I'm not, I'm no Neil Peart's um or i'm no ringo star if that means anything but but in the tabla it's like the accordion the bass is on the left hand on, on the on the big drum on the left and then the melody is on the right side i just i just do it for fun but it's the same principle as the accordion <laughs> okay um you're an artist obviously a musician is an artist yeah um which other forms of arts have you probably been pondering um uh, uh, let's say, I don't know how, do you think that one day you might try your hand as an actor or maybe doing some theater as well? Maybe. I mean, I've, I've been involved in, in, in acting uh, earlier on in my life before my life got dominated by, by practicing the classical pipe organ and learning the hardest pieces and trying to get concerts since traveling America and Canada to study with renowned teachers. Um, I, I paint uh, paintings a lot. Um, and um I like, I just, I played the organ in the pit for Sweeney Todd and I just, I was in a lot of school plays, but I never really wanted to have a background in, uh, and completely doing it because to be honest, so the differences in music, if you mess up and you, you play the wrong note and you screw up and you lose what's in your head, it's not the total end of the world. Um, it's not, um, because, those things happen, but in theater, like it's almost like a walking dialogue. It's like you're having a conversation with someone. It's unnatural if someone makes a mistake and they lose their lines and they forget it on stage. It's I don't like that. And and the thing the thing that really bugs me is in music um, in music they don't care how you look, but in theater it's all about how you look to get a certain role. So if you're a, if 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 you look a certain way, they'll give you a certain role, and that can be really really damaging to someone because they might like, let's say someone looks, looks a certain way. Like they might give that person, like the directors might give that person a really hard uh, role or a really hard time uh, because they changed the way they looked. And it all depends on who you look like and what character you can take up and how you portray that character and what, and what that character sort of looks like that looks sort of what, what you like. It's just, I don't, I don't really like that. Like who, who would they cast me as? Would they cast me as like Christopher Sly in the Taming of the Shrew or like, who knows? like who knows? Uncle Ernie in, 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 in the Pinball Wizard, the Who? I don't know. But one thing, Alex, uh, I've never done theater myself and I know that Patty's in the audience right now. She could probably uh, help us answer this question. Um, I could just imagine the horror for the performer for getting his or her lines but you know sometimes it depends on the audience because sometimes the audience can be understanding and you know it could actually look i'm just taking a guess over here but it may turn out to be funny you know and it, you know it could happen to anyone because we're all imperfect we're all humans but i could just imagine the horror that you know what's going on in that person as he or she's trying to remember the lines it's just like going nuts but um <laughs> from, from what I've heard, apparently the castmates, what they do is like, you know, they kind of, they start speaking for them. They try to bring them back into the character. And it takes a lot of skill and a lot of practice to be a, the a theatrical performer. And hats off to them. Uh, good stuff. And also to be an actor, it's a very hard job. Yeah. Like what I like about music is that you can retain your identity and, and, and the way you play, what you do, it's your identity. And you can't lose who you are unless you had a really hard 
boss or someone that you worked with that was really particular of how they wanted things done that you forgot who you are and became part of that well maybe so maybe not depends on the person but in theater like you're portraying a different character every time you might use the same acting style or might not but thing is you don't retain your identity because you might be for one day you might be Sweeney Todd the next day you might be Edward Scissorhands the next day you might be uh Johnny Depp as or Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow or Davy Jones or whatever. Who knows? Okay. So <laughs> uh, to go back into music here a little bit, um, we're talking about the pipe organ. Uh, your average pipe organ, what, is about 6,000 pipes? I want to say the average pipe organ is about 3,000 pipes, but some some people tell me that seems high. Well, in Montreal, yeah, the average pipe organ is like a little over 3,000 pipes. In most cities, the average pipe organ is – between uh, 1,500 pipes and 2,000 pipes, um, or usually just 2,000 pipes. They think 3,000 is large. Okay. In Montreal, the organs, the bigger organs, like there might be four or five of them, would be like around 7,000, 6,000 pipes. Uh, one at my church is an example of one. Okay, so if we take an organ, let's just say 6,000 pipes, you know, just for the sake of it, right? Uh, let's try to put a dollar figure to that. Um, okay, here's Patty. She's she's answering our question from before. Okay, it's very important to know your script by heart for theater. So Patty is an experienced theatrical performer. She's done this before. Okay, and she's told me stories that uh, you know sometimes some of the actors forgot their lines, and she would know the lines for everybody. So she would end up bringing the characters back in. So. Again, uh, Patty, to you and the gang, uh, all of you theatrical performers, hats off. Uh, bravo. You guys uh, are exceptional. So, Alex, to go back to the question, we were talking about how much could a pipe organ cost? Oh, geez. Well, I know that organs that have wooden carvings, um, like the one that was just built for St. Thomas Church in New York City, that cost, that cost a, like – uh over over six million i know that oh my god <laughs> six million something I'm like that but i'm gonna say um um it really depends on the make like um if it's german or if it's american or canadian um and it's the higher end companies like i'm gonna name shunstein and co Asavant and uh um Kleiss, uh, which is a company that makes organs in Germany, it would not be cheap because they use the top of the line equipment. There are many others that do, like like Letourneau in in Montreal, but and Fisk in the United States, um, uh, and Rieger in, in in Austria. But to be completely honest, like um, it depends on the size. So an average church organ, for one thing, let's say it has two thousand five hundred pipes. It could easily cost over $2 million if it, it has like a 32-foot huge pipe that's really loud and it, it's got like 2,000 pipes. Well, some people have told me, I don't know how accurate this is. Like, they can get me wrong if they want. It's not that important. An organ of the highest level to build could cost um, uh, $3 million, I mean – uh, $3 million for 3,000 pipes, uh, depending on how it's laid out and how it's done and who does it and how fancy it is and what kind of stops it has um, <laughs> and, or how it's voiced. And some of them might have um, like 6,000 pipes. And I'm wondering, the organ at Eglise Trace saint Nom de Jesus, which is the organ at my church, it's got uh, over 6,000 pipes, almost oh. seven. Um, that's more than than normal for a pipe organ. Not only that, but it has the organ running on both sides of the church, and somehow there's this there's this huge cord that within like almost like lightning, like within a second, once you touch the key, way across uh, the building to the other side of the church, the pipes will ring from that keyboard at the front of the church, or etc., yeah. from the keyboard at the back, and that's why that's why it has so many pipes and, and it costs so much money is because of the two organs together. Just like the Wanamaker organ has basically a whole bunch of organs together, like 70 organs in one almost. And, <laughs> Holy mackerel. And 
it would it's it's valued at like somewhere between 60 to 80 million or something that one at the Wanamaker building in Philadelphia um at least Trace Saint Nom de Jesus and Saint Jean Baptiste in Montreal both of them have wooden carvings and Trace Saint Nom de Jesus is known for its crown so I'm wondering the organ is six over six thousand pipes wow. four keyboards and they're referred to as four manuals in the in organ words um um a gigantic facade uh with a huge crown at, at the front and like four of them in the back or so that could easily be over four million dollars and uh obviously in those days it wouldn't have been that much but now like what it could be worth could be anywhere from four to six million dollars like Jeez. um however and and because it has some historical significance being played by some professional organists like Marcel Dupre, um, Joseph Bonnet, uh, Henry Willis, who built St. Paul's Cathedral in London, has has visited this organ. Um, he also built Westminster Cathedral's organ. But yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy how expensive organs cost these days to build so new organs. To get the subject of uh, the pipe organs, playing an ordinary organ, you did something interesting. You said you played the organ at hockey games, including the Tampa Bay Lightning at the NHL. Yeah. So when I was um, 13 years old or, or 14, uh, wow. I can't remember exactly. Might have been December 2013. I played the organ for a Tampa Bay Lightning game. Um, when I came up to visit and I was showing my interest in the organ and I knew someone there that we had a connection with uh, and we asked him if I could play and he said you would be allowed to play a song. So I, I played the organ and I had some practice time before the game. It was amazing. Now, I wasn't originally a fan of organs that had no pipes because there was one at my church that was awful. I'm not going to talk about it. My, my mm -hmm. old church. And after that, and I came to Tampa Bay, this organ was four manuals and 120 uh, ranks, which is just like tracing on to Jesus. It means ranks refers to like the little boxes uh, in the organs and manuals could refer to like different organs inside of one um some organs are even one rank so you could say the ranks are different organs if if you want to go that far but most people wouldn't say that i mean the ranks the, the organ was digital no pipes at all and it was amazing it sounded just as good as an organ that had pipes and it went the sound from the speakers went all across the entire stadium in tampa bay it was amazing like playing for the team like yeah i I, I used to really watch hockey a lot. I loved it. I really loved uh, those days. I played the Oregon for Tampa Bay Lightning games again in 2014 and 15, uh, twice. Uh, so I've played Oregon for the Tampa Bay Lightning on three games. Wow. And uh, just a question like that. Did the Tampa Bay Lightning win the game that night? Once they did, once they didn't, and once they did, so... Three, so, three times they didn't, and one time they didn't. Oh, that's so you're a good luck charm. <laughs> hey, tell me, you see, you also play the harpsichord. Now, for the uh, those of you who don't know what a harpsichord is, Alex will explain to you what a harpsichord is. So, before the piano, where the key is is um, um, played by a hammer. Um, well, as I want to call it, the modern piano, or or um, the late romantic piano, there was the harpsichord, which is um, where the hammer was plucked by strings. So it had no expression in the sense that if you hit the key harder, it wouldn't make a difference. If you hit the key softer, it wouldn't make a difference or much of a difference. There was no pedal to sustain notes and it's just the granddaddy of the piano. Um, so nowadays that we are raised on piano mostly, some people don't really like to hear the organ and Concert halls don't bother um, having organ in their programs sometimes because organ is a liturgical instrument and it, and it might not have its place in the concert hall because most artists might that play the organ might be too conservative as musicians and not putting on enough of a show to retain their audience. And also by programming church music, uh, well, written music written for the church in their programs that concert halls don't see as an investment. And because we are raised on hearing the piano. So 
The piano sounds normal to our ears, but the organ doesn't because we're just not used to it. But in Bach's day, when it was just the harpsichord, not the piano, the, the organ sounded especially special in those days compared to now. <laughs> you uh, took up an interesting project uh, with, with the help of your grandfather. You built a pipe organ in your garage. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I built a pipe organ in my garage that uh, was given to me um, by my neighbors uh, for a very small fee uh, who live just down the road. And we had it transported uh, and it was installed in my garage. It was, it was, it was a great, great project. Uh, learn how to take care of one. Unfortunately, uh, in the winter time, it got cold and the pipes uh, couldn't speak very well. And then when the summer came, everything was frozen and didn't it? It would always be falling out of tune and needed to be tuned again. So we just decided it's going to cost a bloody fortune to get this instrument playing at its best level. That that's why churches throw their organs out is sometimes and go digital is because they can't afford the cost of owning one. And we realized that like the organ can be a little bit of a money pit. So, well, you uh, know, if you have an, an electronic organ and you got a good speaker system, good PA system, it'll do the trick. It. That's all you need. Yeah, but then again, it would take away from the church's uh, identity. It's the entity of the church, you know, the beautiful church, a beautiful stained glass windows, all the decorations in there, and you have an electronic organ. I can understand the disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, uh, who would you say makes the best organs? Is it the Europeans or the North Americans? It really depends what you're going for. Like, I would personally say uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I like the way a good American symphonic organ sounds. They, they, they just they work the best in my ears. Like the Wanamaker organ, it's probably my favorite organ uh, I can name, other than the organ at Woolsey Hall at Yale University. Um, but uh, at Saint-Jean-Baptiste in Montreal, symphonic organs, um, they're called, so they're made to duplicate a symphony. And they started in France, but went all over the world, and they were popular in England too. So organs that were built to sound like an orchestra so that you could play pieces that sound like they were written for an orchestra on them. Okay, so you, you had a bit of a heartbreak with COVID coming around the corner, but it turned out a little bit more... That's right. Uh, more interesting. Apparently, you had some concerts planned in what is it uh, in Britain in uh, Austria? We had some concerts that were supposed to happen, like um, St. Paul's. Um, uh, no, so, sorry, St. Martin in the Fields, London. Um, I had an organ concert that was supposed to happen there, solo lunchtime recital, as well as uh, St. Peter's Church in Vienna, also known as the Peaches Kerk. It's It looks like a dome. It's got a big organ way over the balcony. I had two concerts scheduled there, but sadly everything got canceled because of COVID, but we'll see what happens in the near future. And how did you keep busy during COVID? You took up some activities you were telling me. Well, I camped a lot. Like I also have a very outdoor side. That's other than my passion for music. Like, that, that includes like uh, rock music and, pop, jazz, Latin, etc. everything I listen to. I also have another passion for outdoors activities. So I kayaked all summer. I biked a lot. Look, I might bike every day, even, even, even though, um, even though I'm at home and, and, um, I kayaked, I fished, I, I did a lot of stuff. Like that was how I kept busy was getting, getting some inspiration from doing something besides music and, Something besides having fun uh, with friends and seeing people. Uh, as a Canadian, you, you said you do love hockey. So uh, in the NHL, which team is yours? Tampa Bay Lightning for sure. Any day. They were so good to us. And, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And uh, hats off to them because I believe they won the cup this year. They did. Good stuff. And they have a very talented team and a good scouting organization that uh, uh, put together a fantastic team. Uh, besides hockey, um, are you a baseball fan, a Blue Jay fan? Uh, I was um, in 2014 before I got, before my life became all about the Oregon. Like, to be honest, I wasn't good at anything else that, um, earlier on in my year. Like I've tried playing these sports. I was, I was, I was okay, but I wasn't as good as other kids were because it was all about where I put my time and, I, I used to go to Blue Jays games. I used to I used to be big into baseball. I played the keyboard for baseball games in, in my hometown and 
it was it was fun. Like I I liked baseball a lot, but no, not anymore. I don't follow it that much. Sometimes I might. Maybe I will soon in the future. So Alex, uh, you you're doing music. Uh, you're doing a whole bunch of things to keep busy. Where do you go from here? What what does the future have in store for you? Do you want to teach maybe one day the organ? Potentially. Um. Um. I I just want to keep practicing, uh, learning about my myself and being musical and maybe winning a competition and do whatever I can to, to make my career better. Um, work hard in, in school practice. Um, so I've got two more years left of university until I get my bachelor's degree. Um, so I graduate in 2022 and that means next year, um, in the fall, I have to decide where I want to go for grad school and, there's a lot of options that I want to do to get into my next school. Like I want, I'm going to audition to see if I can get into Juilliard and um, a few schools in Europe, like the conservatory in Paris, the conservatory in Leipzig, which is the city that Bach lived in and worked at and um, Royal College of Music London. And we'll, we'll see what comes of that. And maybe Rice University in Texas, like, We'll see what comes. I mean, I want to see wherever my organ career takes me, but yeah. Wow. Okay. So the advice that you, Alex, my God, this is so crazy. This is a, it's gone by so fast. Wow. Mm -hmm. my, where time is running out and uh, wow. To everyone who has tuned in tonight, a huge, huge thank you. Thank you very much to everybody for tuning in on this Thanksgiving um, edition of the Rob's Inner Circle. Our guest tonight, the super talented Alex Richard Strauss Fausto, an amazing protege, a virtue also. Alex, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, with one minute, what can you tell the audience? Um, hard question. Again? <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I thought you meant advice. <laughs> advice? I was like, what? You asked me? Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks very much for watching. It's been a great pleasure. And and um, happy Thanksgiving and um, stay in and stay safe and try not, try not to hit the bottle too much. Hey, Alex. Uh, so look, uh, stay, uh, stay, uh, stay with us, please. I'm going to be getting you backstage after I close the show. And Alex has been an amazing evening. Thank you so much for coming in. You're amazing. And very quickly before I leave you, I got about 30 seconds here. Um, where can people go see you on your YouTube uh, channel? You click on my name, uh, you will see basically everything that comes up. So we'll get, we're going to be dropping that in the description box. Okay. Once again, Alex, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be getting back to you soon. Stand by. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So ladies and gentlemen, there you had it. Our special guest tonight. A really fun show tonight. Very, very interesting. Alex Richard Strauss Fausto, a protege prodigy an absolutely amazing young man he's off to an amazing career with the organ um guys next week uh we're gonna have an amazing guest as well she's on the radio she's a uh a personality that uh, has been around for a while uh she's on cjd radio it's gonna be the lovely and talented orla johannes who's gonna be our guest next week and we can't wait to have her on and, guys, we also can't wait to present our fabulous guest for the month of November. So, guys, don't forget, we need your solidarity. We want you guys to have those mustaches for November. And let us not forget that our own Jenny Doheim is going to be running a 60K in the month of November. So, people, thank you very much for tuning in. It's been an amazing show. Thank you for your input. Guys, uh, uh, go on to Bobby Short Shorts, the YouTube channel, and go and click on all our videos, like, comment, share, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. So, guys, once again, a happy Thanksgiving to you. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place, same reason. Good night, everybody.